Welcome to the People of Chattanooga podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab. Today on the show, I have my good friend and colleague, Cameron Meilenberg. Cameron and I met riding BMX bikes a few years back, and our relationship has grown from friends to working together as journalists for Roadrunner Touring Magazine. Cameron, by trade, is a videographer, but by heart, he is an adventurer. At only 33 years old, he has had more life experiences than many twice his age, and I get the sense that he's only getting started. He has lived in a van for over a year. He has traveled and worked in India and Africa. He is one of the most creative, outside-the-box thinkers that I know. He is bold and not afraid to try the unknown, like getting married and then moving into an RV parked in the backyard of the house that he owns. That's right. Cameron thought it was a good idea to rent his house to pay for his mortgage and then remodel an Airstream to live in as newlyweds. But you know what? With his ever-positive attitude and outlook on life, Cameron always pulls it off, and he is a great example for us to not take what is the norm as law. I could not be more proud to introduce my friend to the few people in town who do not already know him. I hope you enjoy the following conversation with Cameron Meilenberg. Okay. You're going to guide me through this? I'll guide you through this. Um, I already pressed record. I'm here with Cameron Mullenberg. And I'm here with Luke Swab. My very good friend. Cameron, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Do um, you want to tell us a little bit about your crazy life? You have the craziest life. Um, you've lived in a van. You ride BMX. Um, you're a professional videographer. You've traveled in Africa, India. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I love it. Uh, you went on a bike tour in the UK with your dad and a great friend, Alex, and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently married. You lived in Australia. Um, what am I missing here? I don't know. I forget things. <laughs> uh, I was actually, we were just talking just before we hit record, and I actually forgot about a lot of these things until I just scrolled on my Instagram. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I should remember a lot of these things. Um, yeah, I've done a couple of bike tours. I did another one in Ireland. Um, mm. Both of those were also with my buddy Charles. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's, I had, there was a, yeah, there's lots of different seasons of life. Let's but. start at the, some of the earlier seasons of life. Um, okay. When you were growing up, when you were a little kid, what made you so adventurous? Man, I don't know. I think both of my parents um, ask me that too because um, they wouldn't consider themselves adventurous. Uh, but my dad, I don't, I don't know, my dad rode motocross whenever he was in high school. Um, and then I wound up riding BMX. I've like never really, I didn't get into motorcycles till way, way, way later. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I kind of did things a little bit unconventionally. I wanted to skateboard my dad thought that would get me into trouble and then i rode bmx and it's the same crowd anyways but <laughs> did <laughs> somehow he re- stayed out of trouble a lot of the time did he realize that later he did realize that later yes yes i think he was afraid that i mean anyone that i knew that that skated all they did was smoke weed but then he found out later that pretty much everybody who <laughs> rides bmx is in the same crowd but yeah it's the yeah. same thing but it's less uh mainstream so people don't know about it exactly a little bit smaller smaller industry but yeah i don't know man um i just i I think like you, like we both just played outside a lot. 
Um, and I think that, you know, then I got into BMX and, um, I don't know, just kind of made things happen. Mowed lawns, when, a lot of things outside. How, how old were you when you got your first phone? Oh, I was 16, I think, 15 or 16. And I remember thinking like, I don't actually want or need a phone until I can drive. Because I was like, I, I've been fine without it as I'm just like riding my bicycle around. So I, yeah, I think I was 16. Well, I just, I was just thinking cause kids these days, they all have these phones and they don't play outside as much and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So I yeah, was yeah. trying to figure out if, if that was it. Yeah. But that's, not I don't know. That. I definitely don't have a good answer for just like what has made me, nor do my parents of, uh, yeah, I'm, I just like to go. I like to do things. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, did you go to college? For a little bit, yeah. Then what happened? <laughs> Are you good at school? Uh, I actually am. I would not consider myself good at school. Um, I yeah, I went to school at University of Texas Arlington, which is in the Dallas Fort Worth area, for until my junior year, and then dropped out. Um, yeah, I I knew what, from what were you going for? I was going for graphic design. Yeah, uh, from like so, I grew up wanting to be an artist. Um, I put air quotes on artists, like s- some type of artist. I just liked to draw. Um, and then, so I was like, okay, graphic design. That's like the career that could, you know, I could be an artist and it's a career. So, um, yeah, I just knew from probably when I was like 13, I'm going to be a graphic designer. And then I started going to school and basically up until my junior year, I just didn't, I hadn't learned anything that I was like, was going to help me in my graphic design, you know, life. I had, I was like, I've literally learned more online than I have in, you know, going to college uh, and I was paying for it. Um, all, so it's like, I'm working my butt off, I'm going to school. And I just was like, I took a break and then you know, that kind of, sorry. Um, yeah, life kind of happened from there. And then that, my yeah, trajectory changed how how disappointed were your parents when you dropped out when you took your break dude (laughs) not at all really dude my my parents are the freaking best my I remember when I told my parents that I wanted to go to college and they were like they were just thrilled they were like that's awesome that's you know like it was never this um this expectation um that me and my sister were gonna go but my sister went and that was awesome. And whenever I told my parents I wanted to go, they were stoked. And then, you know, I was terrified to kind of tell them, I, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a semester off and then I'm going to not go back. And, um, but man, they were so supportive. They were like, I, I remember they, I think that that was the time where they, uh, they had me pay for everything. I think they were paying for my maybe health insurance or something like something like that. Um, probably getting these details wrong, but, but yeah, they were basically like, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. We're, we're fine with you doing that. If you do that, you'll be, you know, if I kind of got the impression of like, if you're an adult enough to like drop out, you're an adult enough to pay for your own stuff. Um, and I, I honestly took that as I was fine with that. You know, um, they, yeah, they were just supportive. They were like, we were thrilled that you wanted to go, but we, we trust what you're going to do. And, um, yeah, so they're fine. So you, which which I was very happy about, <laughs> and and uh, and you're fine without finishing college. You're I am. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how. I don't know what pattern we need to no take with this conversation. But yeah, I mean that was like that was the kind of the turning point of my life. Was I I was pretty confident I wanted to be a graphic designer. Stopped school, but I had done video for a while just for fun. 
on the side for on the side, were you yeah. getting paid any gigs on the side um paid? man if we if we backtrack a little bit sure. i started doing video because i got into bmx bikes like uh not racing if you don't know what bmx is like we whenever I say BMX, it's like BMX, like freestyle BMX it's bikes. Tricks. So, it's yeah, like tricks. X like, Games BMX. Yes, like yeah, like skateboarding, but yeah. <laughs> on, on bicycles. And yeah. that's actually how we met, right? Yes, was, yeah, yeah. Luke and I, yeah, we, BMX. yeah, you and I met, um, yeah, through BMX, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so I started riding when I was about twelve, and then picked up a camera because I wanted to. You know, I saw stuff on TV and people documenting riding BMX, and I was like, ah, oh, I want to do that. And so got a camera around the same time that I started riding, which I was 12 years old. So, um, yeah, I just was filming for fun, filming me and my friends. And then I like started a, like a Christian clothing company thing. And that was just like it. It was like I was doing graphic design for that. I was also filming videos for that. And it was just my outlet. It was just my excuse to to make stuff. And so, yeah, I was like growing this love for graphic design and video and then whenever I dropped out of college, that's when um, I had done a couple of freelance gigs and things like that along the way for video. But um, yeah, someone saw my work and, and offered me a job. It was at a church. And um, yeah, anyways, that's, I don't know how much we want to get into it. But but yeah, that's that took off after I dropped out. I got a video job and it was like, okay, holy cow, like I... I'm, I have a job doing a creative thing and it's not graphic design, it's video, but that was the turning point was when I dropped out of college. Was it a full-time job? It was a part-time job and I was... Was this a precept? No, this was, so that was Chattanooga. Um, I, yeah, I worked for an organization in Chattanooga called Precept Ministries and, but um, this was a church in, in, uh, Euless, Texas. Um, it was the church I was attending. I was serving at, I had like a, it's a whole nother thing. I had like a skate church ministry there, which was a five year season of my life, which was phenomenal. Like one of my favorite times ever. Um, but yeah, they, they just saw some of my work and, and one of the guys that was, uh, wound up being like my example of an incredible boss, um, manager, everything, um, he was just like, Hey, I've seen your stuff. Would you want to work for me and do video for the church? And so it was a pretty big church. And, um, I did that and he actually, the stuff that I was lacking, just like I had been documenting BMX trips, you know, and like trying to get a little better here and there with storytelling. And, um, so he taught me better, like how to do better audio, how to do better lighting, all the stuff that was kind of missing in my whatever tool bag. Um, and yeah, and so I built up some skills there and was still doing freelance on the side. So it was like part-time church um, video, part-time just filling in, you know, like Wh- freelance. Whatever. Yeah, whatever yep. you could find. Yep. Did yep. Uh, filming BMX um, help at all? What kind of skills cross over from the BMX filming? Dude, we've to... talked about this so much. <laughs> I so I think about this so all the time. So much. Like, I honestly, you and I have had conversations where it's like, BMXers just, I I literally was talking to someone last night about this, like something about BMX, I guess probably skating too, just like makes you better at whatever you're going to do. Like you just, you just are winging it. Like you, because the way that street riding is and finding spots and dealing with security and getting kicked out of places, but still 
you know, not losing your cool, like so many things that you're navigating. And then adding filming on top of that, it's like, you're just, it's run and gun, like to the extreme. Like there's like run and gun, like documentary style filmmaking. But then you take that to BMX and it's just like, you just have to, in you know, 30 seconds, you find the spot where you're going to document, you know, someone might just feel like doing the trick right then. Someone might give you time to set up, whatever. It's just, you're, it is just run and gun, man, making it happen. So, if so <laughs> I think that that translates hugely into any, um, yeah, any other area where I've, uh, developed filmmaking skills, but also just, yeah, any job that I'm on, I think that filming BMX helped that. And there's a lot, <clears throat> there's a lot of famous um, BMX filmers that have since moved on to, I guess, yeah. air, air quotes, more reputable filming. Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of really successful BMX filmers out there. Yep, totally. Yeah, For, Joe Simon, I feel like, was yeah. one of the first, just like, took over like the wedding industry and now is doing commercial stuff. And now like the list just goes on of so many guys that exactly. are doing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bigger, bigger things, but... So when you move, when you, um, you didn't, when you didn't finish college, <laughs> yeah, when I didn't finish college, when I dropped out, yeah, 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 I dropped out. <laughs> you gotta say it nicely. Yep. Um, did you start living in the van then? When did this... I did not, I did not. I, I lived in the van after that. So I, when I dropped out of college, I'm trying to get the timeline. So I was living in the Dallas area, Dallas, Fort Worth area in Euless or wherever I was at that point, uh, with my sister and my cousin, we had a house together. It was a... I was serving at my church. I had a, yeah, I had that skate church ministry, which was just like basically this. So this church that I worked at was big enough where they had like this big empty space and they, um, man, I often, I don't think about this season of my life very often, but man, it was incredible. Um, they, they just kind of said, Hey, you know, what is your, what's your passion? And I was like, I would love to do like a skate ministry, BMX ministry, where I get to just like hang out with kids, tell them about Jesus and, and ride ramps and, you know, just like ride BMX. And, um, so they actually gave me a room in the church, um, to build stuff. So like ramps, build ramps. So we, we wound up, it started with like a, a grind ledge, then was a mini ramp. Then we built a full on skate park in this, like it was, it was an abandoned Albertsons, I think grocery store that the church owned. Um, and so they had this big back room and we built a skate park. And so that was a, sweet season of my life. Some of those relationships and friendships with some of those kids are still, um, strong to this day. Um, but so that's what I was doing. How, who was, how did you learn how to build ramps? My dad, my dad. So it was you and your dad and volunteers. Um, so no, I, I, my dad and I built ramps when I was a kid. Um, and then I just kept building them. So whenever I moved there, I was like, well, I've done this with my dad. I can, you know, and he was kind of winging it at the time. We downloaded ramps, you know, ramp plans yeah. from the internet. And, um, but yeah, so I just kind of took what I had learned with my dad and, and did that in the Dallas area. But, but that, so as we were, you know, we were constantly working on that and stuff like that, but, um, had that and that I, I was like, there was no, um, no bit of me that wanted to leave that. Like no part of me that was like, you know, had wanderlust and was wanting to get out of there. And, um, I, I started to travel around that time, but, um, man, that was, that had me there. Like that ministry was like no part of me wanted to leave. Um, and then some uh, interesting turn of events, they were remodeling the building ramps got left outside and they got stolen. So 
weird situation but yeah how do the, ramps get stolen they literally were outside like they were remodeling like the doing stuff with the walls and things like that so so i was actually out of town i was on a trip they the church moved the ramps outside and somehow they got stolen yeah. um so i was already kind of thinking like i was wondering if maybe um i, I don't know like maybe my time there was like coming to an end maybe i should like bring up one of the other kids to like lead that ministry or something like that. And I just kind of felt like, honestly, I kind of felt like God was getting me ready for whatever the next thing was. Um, and then that happened Yeah. and I was just like, okay, I, this, that's kind of my, like, if there was like a, you know, something keeping me there, that was it. That's gone. So then that's when that was a really long answer to your question, but <laughs> that's when I, I started dreaming about the van because it was like, I was kind of praying through where I wanted to go, thinking through where I wanted to land if I were to leave the Dallas area. Because you were still in, and, in your hometown that you grew up in. Uh, I wasn't. So I actually grew up in South Texas okay. um, in, in a town called Rockport, um, which is like a little coastal Texas, Gulf Coast, Texas town. Um, and yeah, small, small town. Um, but then it was after I graduated high school that I moved to um, the Dallas area. So... Yeah, I was just thinking through where I wanted to end up, and I just, there was never a place where I was like, that's it. I want to end up in LA, or I want to end up in, you know, wherever um, it would be, and I just, yeah, I never had like a, a, a specific place. So then I read an article um, on Foster Huntington, a guy who, he kind of like started the hashtag van life stuff, or um, yeah, and made that really popular. And I read an article about how he had quit his job in New York and just moved into a van. And I was like, huh. And that just <laughs> sparked it. So I kind of like just started, uh, you know, the endless research of what it might look like to renovate a van and all that stuff. And that was an interesting conversation with my parents um, <laughs> of telling them that, yeah, so I I know the last, co you know, last conversation was I dropped, I'm going to drop out of college. This one is I want to move into a van and just travel for, I said three months. I would feel like it was a success if I could make it three months, just like traveling around an old beater van. Um, and once again, they were super supportive and they, they were just, that didn't scare them. Didn't. Oh, sure. It scared my mom. I'm sure it scared my mom. I, I have learned now after the fact that they were both wrecks the entire time that I was traveling. Cause I was breaking down all the time. I was, it was, it was wild. Um, but they, they kept their cool at the time and supported me. Um, my dad helped me renovate it. I bought this piece of crap van on Craigslist. That was just, <laughs> how much I don't know it? how it made it as far as it made it. It made it a year and a half. My goal was three months. It made it a year and a half. Um, yeah. And I, I drove it down to Rockport where my parents lived and my dad helped me renovate it. Um, that's how supportive they were, which was what, just nuts. What van was it and how much did it cost and how old was it? It was a Ford Econoline, um, 1990, I think it was a 1994 Econoline, uh, E150. Um, and it was the straight six, um, which now, like every time I told someone who actually knew something about vehicles, they were like, "Oh, that was a good, good, that's a good one." <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, it. Uh, I don't know if that was the answer to your question, yeah. but yeah, yeah, and it took me everywhere. It, it took me from Texas, left Texas, uh, to spend a while in Salt Lake City with my buddy Josh and his wife, and then went to uh, 
LA, went to Reno, one of my, my best friends, Westy, uh, went to Portland, all these places I was spending like about a month, maybe a couple weeks to a month or, and then LA spent three months and yeah, just bounced around all West and then went East and wound up in Florida all the way to New York city. And it was nuts. How, um, nuts. how were you making money along the way? Mm, I wasn't making much. Um, so that was actually, I had to quit my church job to do that. Right. And, um, cause it was like part-time church, part-time freelance. And there was like potentially the opportunity for me to go full-time at the church. And I, it was at that time where the skate church kind of ended and I was like, okay, like I, I think I, I think I could make freelance happen at least enough to get to the next city, which was, that was all I cared about. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I was just basically finding freelance. Like some of these places I would have something lined up, like one job, which was enough to like help me survive in that city and then bounce to the next city. Um, but then while I was there, like I would, uh, one thing that I also wanted to do while I was on the trip was just give, like do, do video as a ministry as well. And just like, that was the way, cause I wasn't like a part of a, um, I've, I'd never not been a part of like a local church body before. And I was like, well, if I'm just traveling around, I can kind of get plugged into a place and then maybe they know of someone who might need something done for free. That's kind of, that was the the goal as I was traveling around. So, so one area like Salt Lake city, I, I did a video for a church plant and someone that I was filming with knew of a job that I could do. And like, literally that's how it happened. So that I went and did a, a freelance job. Then when I was in Wyoming, same thing happened. Um, I did a, a job for a, a church plant and someone there was like, Hey, I need a Kickstarter video done and did a little freelance. So that's kind of how it happened. But literally dude, it was like, I mean, I was, I was scrimping and saving like the whole time. It was just enough to, um, yeah, get to the next place. And some people, like I had a, a thing on my website that was just like, if you want to throw cash my way, do it. And like multiple people did. And so, um, yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was amazing. And I felt very just supported and, um, it was awesome. When, yeah. And how often was the van breaking down? At least every city, <laughs> at least every city. Well, what, do you have any funny stories of oh like, Oh my gosh. Um, getting towed off the highway or something? I, yes. So, Gosh, so many breakdown stories. Okay, so before I left, man, how do I make these short? Before I left, oh my gosh, <laughs> as I was leaving Texas, I, I was driving away from DFW. Yeah. Um, I Dallas Fort Worth, whatever. I was filling up my gas tank, and as like literally, dude, like this is the you know like fill it up with gas and head down south to like build it out with my dad. First step of the trip without even leaving Texas. Yeah. Filling up with gas. And um, and all of a sudden, I hear something and smell something. And I'm like, what the heck? And realize that it is like gushing, overflowing, leaking out of the gas tank that I just filled up. Underneath. It, gas underneath. fuel yeah. is, is pouring out <laughs> of the bottom of my van. And I'm like, I don't know if this is pouring out of the bottom. I don't know if this is pouring out of the top. I don't know if this is leaking from somewhere random. I have no yeah. idea. And so I just sent it. I was like, instead of trying to figure this out, I was just, just like, I'm just going to drive. 
You just sound it. I make it, um, <laughs> but it's coming out at a substantial rate. So, so I have no idea if it's just if, I, if my van is just gonna die right now. Like if I just like have a crazy fuel leak and I'm just, it's just gonna die, or if. It's going to be okay. Yeah, because you're going to run out at some point. Yes. So I just drive <laughs> south, and it worked out. And it was fine. And so after some figuring whatever, I, I realized that there was, a, there was a hole near the top of the fuel tank. Mm-hmm. Something near the top of the fuel tank. So, oh, also... There was oh, if anyone knows anything about vehicles, they're gonna be so so upset. <laughs> or the environment. It's, it's called a so, fuel yes. Cameron. It's called a fuel knack. Yeah, yes. So um, basically, uh, my there was something at the the top that was leaking, and there was something at the bottom that would like get clogged. So if my van, if the fuel got too low but not empty, it would not run, and if it got filled up all the way, it would leak. So as you can imagine, yeah, find the sweet spot. I gotta find the sweet spot, and I'm traveling in this giant van that's a gas guzzler a- across everywhere, the Arizona, Mar- across, across America. Yeah. So I have to time it not only to like the the E, but yeah. like where I know, like where where yeah. is it gonna start to like clog up? Where yeah. is it gonna start to yeah. yeah, like quarter tank or so? You got so start. as you can imagine that there were just issues all the time with just like running out of gas that. I wasn't really out of gas, but it was just some issue with it that. It starts so coughing that, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, starts co- Yeah, yeah. So one time I... If it makes you feel better, I actually had a car that had one of those problems. I couldn't run it down to empty. Otherwise, it'd start like chugging. And, yep, it, yep. When I would turn left, it, and, and if I didn't have much t- fuel in the tank, it would s- s- want to stall and stutter and yep. stuff. When I turned right perfectly fine because the right side was happy and the oh. left side was bad but that that would happen when i got down to half tank yep and full tank i could do any turn as sharp as i wanted that but half strange. tank just going left was uh i'd start have cop- you ever figured out what was going on with that no <laughs> i hope i hope someone leaves <laughs> when, comments for when, both of us when you're buying like- <laughs> when you're buying these cars for sub thousand dollars yes like yes there's almost no reason to uh You'll just get nickel and dimed. You just yep. deal with it, and yep. then when the car finally dies, you get another one. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, two like like quick story. There were many like yeah. countless stories of like <laughs> some of them were in the middle of the desert, and I'm calling my dad. Just like part of part of my like internal dialogue is like, okay, my dad can probably walk me through how to like get this started again or whatever. But then part of it is like, why am I doing this to my parents? Like. <laughs> My dad is about to get a call from his son in the middle of the desert, broken down with his piece of crap van. <laughs> Anyways, so one story was I I ran out of gas, but this was also before I left Texas. I actually filmed a wedding, and uh, my like best friend in the world, Westy, was there, and um, it was one of the last things I did before I left Texas. And we we I ran out of gas. Um, coasting into a gas station over an overpass like there's like an overpass and the gas station's right there we can see it and i know i'm like getting there like where my you know i'm almost to e it's like i'm about to start you know it's about to start chug a little bit like do whatever it does run out of gas we're coasting in and my buddy westy is like okay we're, we're about to make it i can like hop out like the you know the sliding door um and and like help push us in you know I had forgotten to tell, and I had actually completely forgotten that the sliding door was pretty sketchy, 
and as he slides the sliding door open, it falls off. <laughs> the slide. So we are we are coasting into this gas station with the door this like dangling off. It's like off its track. It's like about to drag the ground. He's just like screaming, hollering, like. And then we we make it in. We get the door back on, and we um. We make it to the gas station and fill back up, but it was a it was a scene. It was a it was a wild scene. Um, so that was one time, and then another time, I like as I got to L.A., like stoked, made it to the West Coast, stoked out of my mind. Like that was really probably the goal. Like get my van to California. Like yeah. oh my gosh, um, and I I broke down on uh, like on the one, but it was like a section that was through the city mm-hmm. and it was just like super, super, super busy. Um, yeah. Like dense, dense city. And I broke down on an uphill. Of course you're gonna break down an uphill with the gut, with the fuel thing. Cause yeah. it's just like, whatever. Yeah. However that works. Um, and anyways, uh, I, I coasted backwards on this insane, busy street into this little, parking lot called my dad and then my van just started again and after like 20 minutes of sitting and then i drove it to a gas station and um anyways filled it back up that, again and it was it, i was fine it was <laughs> that story, there's lots of stories that yeah. story reminds me i've never told you this and i haven't thought of this in years i'm so um, excited about this i know a lot of luke stories you, so when there's a you new don't one, know this one know um do you know the mackinac bridge Mm-mm. It's uh, it was at one point when it was built the longest suspen- longest bridge in the world. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, longest bridge in the world. Okay. It's five miles long. They built it in like Where is it? into Michigan. It connects okay. the Upper Peninsula to the Lower Peninsula. Okay. Giant bridge. Okay. Um, we were on family vacation and our van broke down. Oh my goodness. On the bridge. Oh my goodness. And uh, and there's no shoulder, so right? we were just clogging traffic. Oh but um. The, the bridge authorities or whatever are prepared for this, and okay. they have trucks with bumpers on, okay. and they, they pushed us the rest of the way across the bridge. And, wow. Uh, what a time. Yeah. What that, a time. That just popped in my head. Dude, yeah. Those where you're just like, as soon as it happens, you're like, I'm in everyone's way. I'm yeah. like, I am like ruining people. Yeah, like, oh my gosh. But I'm glad it worked out for you. I'm glad you got bumpered off the Yeah, we got bumpered bridge. off. So... <laughs> How long did this did this van last the whole trip the whole so year and literally half? especially because it was such a beater like I mean I I think I paid twelve hundred for it because um, it had be- straight six straight six um, exactly uh, but you know there were tons of issues like battery stuff starter stuff replaced alternator replaced so many things and I learned a lot of things along the way that was actually. Anyways, I'm not answering your question. No, um, it's, it's very helpful, actually. Um, All part these... of part of getting this van that was like a piece of crap and not saving up for like a you know a really reliable vehicle. I'd always wanted to just learn how to work on vehicles a little bit, and so I was like, I'm gonna be forced like this. It's like learning to drive stick. It's like get a stick car, get a manual transmission, um, and so you get a piece of crap car, and you're gonna learn, and you have no money, you're gonna learn to kind of fix things. So I did. I mean, like if anything goes wrong with a vehicle now that's starter related, um, I can, whatever. Um, yeah, battery starter, all that stuff. I can kind of get it working, um, which is sweet. But that, um, that van made it a year and a half. Um, and it actually, my goal was three months, made it a year and a half, made it to every corner of the U S and, um, it died on my move to Chattanooga. 
I had, I was finishing up my trip. I, I was actually on a trip with my cousin. It was like her birthday trip. My like last hurrah, like I'm going to take her for a little, um, a cruise up to Chicago. I'd never been to Chicago and then we'll go to New York city and then go back to Chattanooga. Well, on the way up to Chicago, it, um, it died. Uh, and then it was a timing chain, uh, which I didn't even know was a thing. I'd heard of timing belts. I didn't know timing chain was a thing. Um, and we, t- I took it to a shop that uh, didn't know what they were doing, and they they put it out of its misery. Um, I paid them like twelve hundred bucks, and they they killed it. Um, we spent three days in a parking lot, sleeping in the van during the night, and then giving it over to them for the garage during the day. I don't think I've ever told you this story. No. This was literally I had gotten a job in Chattanooga, and we I, this was my last little. Yeah. You know, leg of the trip. Yeah. Uh, my year and a half on the road. And then I was going to move to Chattanooga, live in my van. That was going to be my vehicle. Everything was worked out like that. And then my, yeah, this shop killed my van. I limped it to a diesel shop that was like for like giant trucks, like, like Mack yeah. trucks. And they, I begged them. I was like, listen, this is the only place I could get this. It's about to be the weekend. Like, could y'all just look at it and tell me what's going on? They opened it up and they were like, what, who did you take this to? They were like, there was like crowbar marks on the inside of your engine. Like they, they're someone, whoever, whoever did this had no clue what they were doing and, and killed your, your van. So never got any money back from that piece of crap shop that wow, ruined my you van. Paid them 1200 and-, and, and this shop, uh, made me pay like 150 bucks less than they told me they were going to pay just cause they felt bad for me. They were like, we'd, yeah, like this place screwed you over and we don't feel right. Anyways, that was a really, really long story so where, from where, after that. But So that was somewhere, somewhere. That was in the middle. It was in Illinois. And it's, um, that's where it that, So it. it died and we, uh, I had to leave it there with, all, it was my home for a year and a half. I had to leave it there. Like yeah. all your almost, gear. almost I'm, killed myself and my cousin trying to tow it back. Um, what do you we, mean almost killed yourself? Oh man, it's a really long story. Let's do it. We, um, man. So la- at the last minute, I have to decide. So this shop is closing. Um, I asked them to leave their gate open of their property so that I can tow it out that night and like tow it to Chattanooga. Were you so, towing it with a rental so truck? So I, we call, this is a terrible night. I'm realizing like at this moment that my home is dead. My vehicle's dead. I'm about to move to a new city. I have no home and have no vehicle. Um, and I have to leave my van potentially in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, um, with all my stuff in it, like figuring out, maybe have to unpack, whatever, not even sure what I'm going to do. Finally decide, um, to call, uh, to get a U-Haul truck and trailer to tow this back to Chattanooga with me. At least I'll have it with me. Um, have to drive an hour outside of town to the nearest U-Haul with the, the right trailer. Because it's a giant van. Right. Um, go drive an hour with my cousin um, to this U-Haul place. Uh, how did we even get there? I don't even remember. I think I... Maybe we rented a car to get to the U-Haul place and then drove back. Maybe we got a cab. I can't even remember. We may have gotten a cab in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. To the U-Haul place. Got there. Got the U-Haul truck and trailer. Drove it back. Someone at the shop was still there and was like, 
I had a I had a, a suspicion that y'all were gonna have trouble getting this onto the trailer. So he helped us mm. get the van onto the trailer, um, and then was like, "I hate to tell y'all this, but this is the wrong size trailer." Oh, so was it a was so it a dolly or an it, actual trailer where all four wheels are off the ground? All four wheels were okay. off the ground, but basically the guy who put in the order at U-Haul just put in a random vehicle yeah, didn't so put in the truck so it was it was a it was a trailer for a like Ford Mustang not a Ford Econoline yeah. line so the wheels were almost hanging off the end um and we actually the guy was like I don't think you should try to drive this but if you do I'm 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 out like I, I don't I'm I'm about to go home. I have nothing y'all, to do nothing with to do this. with this. I'm about to go home. Y'all can go and try it, but like I highly suggest you don't. We drove it about a mile down the road and it started like fishtailing. Oh yeah. And almost died. It's pouring down rain. It was like the the most it like depressing movie, like climactic, like horrible moment. Um I finally lose it. I think I like start weeping or something like that. Like Janae, my cousin is, we're both just a wreck. We, we drive it back super, super slow. And I have to leave it there, um, on a trailer in the middle. Uh, no, we, we got it off the trailer by ourselves and took the, the U-Haul and the trailer to Chattanooga without a vehicle on it. And I left my van in the middle of Illinois at the shop. Um, oh. and eventually months later, um, the shop was the, they were the best in the world. I, I had someone like, uh, I hired someone to like tow the van back. Anyways, it was very depressing. It was very, very depressing. Did you leave a lot of your stuff in the van or did you I kind left, of strip the van down uh, with all me. your stuff? Um, I, I basically did like a, uh, like swept what I could like yeah. out of the van into, into the U-Haul. Just like, just last, se- literally the last second, because it, up until that second, I thought that we were going to be taking the van. So I just grabbed what I could, like what wasn't like necessary, um, and threw it in the U-Haul trailer, and then everything else, yeah, I just left in the van. And anyways, it was depressing. You didn't get to go to Chicago. I didn't get to go to Chicago. I was actually we were driving up north to go to New York City to meet my sister, who was on a year long trip around the world. Um, she was on a mission trip where they bounced around countries, and she was gonna be in New York City, and we were planning to meet her there. So it was like extra, just like uh, we had to call her and tell her, "Hey, we we're gonna surprise you in New York," and now we can't because my van died. And that's extra. Yeah. Add one more layer, to dude. The it was it was it was rough. It was a rough moment. <laughs> wow. When you got to Chattanooga, where did you live? Because you didn't have your house anymore. Yeah. So the one family that I knew, the Lucarellis, um, this was like my one connection to Chattanooga. Um, they literally just offered up their home and they were like, we have a guest bedroom. I'm pretty sure that Jeremy told it. I think he may have told his wife, Becky, like, Hey, um, I think cam is going to stay with us. And then after the fact was like, they kind of discussed it and decided like he can, like cam can stay for a little while instead of like, you know, instead of like the weekend. So I think I stayed two or three months with them until I found a place and got moved and all that stuff. They were freaking amazing. Like, did you, you could, rent? Were you renting when you? I don't think I paid. I can't. I don't think I paid them anything. Oh wow! Um, they're just, they're, they're they were just out, very generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're amazing. That's the only reason I could stay with so, them. Yeah. So that's that's how you came to Chattanooga, and you've been in Chattanooga ever since. No, what a story! That I'm sorry, that was a really long. Yeah, was a really long story. Apologize. Um, yeah, so that was six years ago, I think, and I've been in Chattanooga since then. Yeah, love it. 
have you had <laughs> what was the latest um <laughs> this is your story's cracking me up you're hilarious well that's <laughs> that's not including the the first month that i was here i was on a work trip with my new employer um and jeremy was on that trip jeremy lucarelli my one contact here i was working at the organization where he worked still um and we drove back from this work trip and I got all of my gear and all of the ministry's gear stolen out of our rental vehicle. That was the first month I moved here. So, Hey, your van's dead. You're uh, you're, you have no home moving with this wonderful family. And then you get all of your, your equipment stolen here in um, Chattanooga, here in Chattanooga. We literally got back from the trip. I parked, we were, it was like 2 a.m. We were like, let's just like leave it in the car and we'll just, you know, come back in the morning and drop it all off. And it got stolen that night. Was it locked? Uh, locked? It was locked, but they didn't break a window to get in. I don't, I don't oh, know. Just um, like, a, yeah, there's ways to get in. <clears throat> if yeah. you're... Anywho. Anywho. So what were you going to ask before that? Sorry. That oh. was just another little like crazy. Well, my little side note is Ch- Chattanooga just has the worst theft I've ever seen in any place I've ever lived in my life. Right yeah. Here. We're a wonderful city. Yeah. But we have sticky fingers like you won't believe. I don't yeah. know what that's all about. Yeah, I'm also like too, I'm just too trusting, you know, like I still am. Like I'm, um, yeah, my wife all the time is like reminding me like, do, do you could avoid this if you just made <laughs> Like, just protect your stuff a little bit more. But I, I, you know, sometimes I just leave it in the car, still like an idiot. But anyways. It's it's Chattanooga. Yeah, sticky finger Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, so you had the two hard conversations with your parents. Uh And I'm wondering what was the most recent one you've had with your parents Mm. where uh, you have to kind of. (laughs) Man. Oh, that's a, that may have been the last one. Oh, it wasn't a hard one, but telling them that, I mean, the last like weird thing, like yeah. weird, whatever. Where they're like, oh whatever, no, here goes Cameron. Was, then. oh, well, there's been a couple actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one was, um, I'm, I'm going to get married and my wife and I are going to move to Australia three months after we get married. Then we're going to move into an Airstream whenever we get back um, in the backyard of the house that I own. <laughs> And rent out. That was a, that was a, can you walk us through, um, the thought logic of all those? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, man, it's been a a dream to live abroad my whole life. Um, I met my beautiful, wonderful wife, Alexis, who was down to do that and was like, you know, like we had talked about that before we ever got married. And, um, and this opportunity came about this wonderful, um, lady in Australia, a friend of a friend offered a place to stay. Um, and yeah, we just did it. It was like, we we have this opportunity. Let's, let's freaking pull the trigger and do it. And, um, we don't have kids right now. It's, it's easier right now than it would be if we did. So we did that. Um, and that was phenomenal. Um, and then moving back into the Airstream was not so phenomenal. That was a, we hired a contractor to finish out what I hadn't done. I had like done the flooring and some like patches on the roof and stuff like that. You were completely and remodeling the airstream. Completely remodeled like this gutted. airstream. We're which talking gutted. Gu- yes, gutted. Um, all of the original stuff out. It was a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did what I could, and then was I wanted to do everything, but some of the stuff like plumbing and and stuff like that. I was just like, I'm just gonna. 
um, and kitchen build-out bathroom. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, everything. The, the build-out stuff that was over my head, I just hired out. Um, hired a terrible contractor to do it. Um, stuff got stolen while, oh, he's doing all of this while we're in Australia because he was supposed to finish it before we left. He didn't. So we moved to Australia. I'm having to manage this. We've had conversations about stuff like this. Just managing contractors, period, but managing from afar, just awful. Stuff got stolen from the Airstream, some of my tools and stuff like that. And then he didn't finish it in time, so we moved back. We had to, like, stay with my sister for a week or two and... Um, who lives in Chattanooga while he's finishing up stuff that he should have finished four months ago. Um, it was awful. And then we got in it and stuff wasn't to the, uh, quality, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, did not meet our expectations of what we had discussed. Um, so it was just, it was a disaster. And then found out living in a very, 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 very tiny space with another human is a lot different than living in a van by yourself. So Alexis was not, uh, she did not love living in the Airstream. Plus the shower wasn't what it was supposed to be. The, it leaked sometimes. The Just a lot of things were not as they could have been. So It wasn't as romantic as it looks on Pinterest. Exactly. Exactly. It was not as romantic as it looks on Pinterest. So um, it is still beautiful like the the inside of that air like i still like it's still in the backyard no one lives there right now and i still like walk in there and it is just like it still feels a little bit like home like i i actually i loved it i loved living in there i really oh, enjoyed you like you liked but it but it was just there was a lot of sacrifices that alexis had to make that like yeah like you know, no washer and dryer yeah no washer dryer in there no it was just a lot a lot of quirks so we'll just say a lot of quirks that um that are not as fun for a, a lady um so we had a compost toilet, yeah, w- which that had its own disasters, which I'll just let your mind go uh, <laughs> wild with what those may have been. Some of it may have involved flies. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I loved it. And so still, yeah, going back in there, like I, it is just like, it's beautiful. And, and Alexis may, she made she just makes everything really, really beautiful, makes it really, really pretty. So, um, so that space still is just like, yeah, we want to eventually like Airbnb it or something like that, but it's it's so pretty inside there. Now the the part that you glossed over so quickly was I tend to do that. The part that you glossed over quickly was um, you you're gonna move into the airstream in the backyard of a house that you own. Yes. So yes. why did you choose to live in the in that versus a house that you own? Well, I have man. Why did I? Why did I? <laughs> Um, I really it's a pretty nice love, house. I've seen it. I love, I actually really love that house. So, um, I, I really love like, I don't know what you would call it. There's gotta be a name, but basically just making expenses as minimal as possible. Um, you like living financial on the cheap. minimalism, living on the cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I had already like before I sound like an insane person sometimes, but, <laughs> um, I, when you say it out loud, yes, when I say some of the things, so, um, yeah, I had already, before I got married, I had moved out of the house that I owned. I bought a house in Highland Park, love that house. I had rented out two of the rooms. I lived in one room and eventually I actually, when I quit my job, um, oh yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Anyways, I moved here because it was a full-time video producer job with a ministry in town called Precept. Um, that was great. And I eventually, after two-ish years, I quit. When I quit, I I moved out of my house. 
into my backyard, not into the airstream. I didn't have the airstream at a time. I moved into my van. I, I bought another van. But <laughs> that's another part of the story. I bought another van. Van too. That, that is actually the same dimensions as my original van. So I actually pulled all of the furnishings out of my original van and put them in my new van, which is just that now that makes me very that makes me very happy. Now that's a good idea. That makes me very happy, including like the this custom like uh, center console piece that my dad and I built out of a desk that his dad made him. Like oh, it's just like wow, it's just sweet. So that piece is now in my new van. Anyways, so I moved out of my house into my backyard, living in my van, and rented out all three rooms of the house. Were that what did the um, tenants think? So the tenants were kind of like. Like just, it was just a, we were a bunch of dad, a bunch of bros. I, I almost said dads. Cause yeah. like I just interchanged dudes with dads, but we were just a bunch of buds and, um, they were fine for a long time. Eventually one tenant wasn't fine with anyways. We, um, yeah. So I was literally, I told them, I was like, I'm going to live in the backyard. That will be my room, but I'm going to I really sound like an insane person. <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna use the 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 bathroom inside, the shower inside, house the, privileges. Like the house privileges, yeah, the kitchen and the laundry, and I'm gonna live in my um, van in the backyard. And I did that for a a year, maybe, maybe while a while I was dating while I was dating Alexis, I was living in the backyard of the house that I owned in a van. Yeah, but you at that time you are you did have the airstream or no? I did have the airstream, and but it wasn't were, finished. And, but you were working on that. I was working on that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you were actually getting- for a part of that, my sister, while she was finding a place, lived in the airstream, which was gutted. Like it just had w- new walls and a and a hardwood floor. So this there. this behavior sounds like it runs through the family. It might. It might. It might who knows? <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the the glossed over part. Is did I answer your question? Yeah. I, yeah. I lived in the backyard. Oh oh, that was the answer to your question. So, I. I did that and I, I was now, oh, part of the reason that I did that was to give myself some, uh, I don't know, like some, some wiggle room financially. So in case I quit my job that is full time benefits, all that stuff. If I quit my job and freelance doesn't work out, at least I don't have a mortgage to cover. I'm just giving myself like that slack. Which, which so, is very responsible. So I did that, and then I so and I'm renting out all three rooms of the house. Were you making? Were you actually making a, a wee bit money over the mortgage? I was making a wee bit of money over the mortgage. Okay, so cool. now I have like the house covered plus a little bit of extra. Yeah. Um. And actually, I think that's when I met you because I that was part of the thing that you and I connected on was because I, I. Just I whatever you were like, where do you live? Da, 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 and we started talking about that, and you were actually stoked. And most people, when I told that, were like, "What are you doing?" Like, what well, you know? And then Luke was like, "Yeah, kind of stoked," and was like, "Oh, that sounds awesome! I've done something like that before." Yeah, so exactly. That was the first time I I learned that that was actually a thing that some people can do and they, whatever in the real estate world they call it house hacking. There you go. Is what there you, you were go. doing. So um, yeah. So I had learned that I could have this house and have some of it um. Yeah, like not have to cover the payment for it. So, um, in talking to Alexis about it, and you know, we're getting married and stuff, and we have this airstream. Um, Luke is refilling our coffee right now and hosting a podcast, which is phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yeah, yeah. We 
wouldn't have a mortgage to cover. We could still have this income coming in from the house and we could live in this dream tiny home, which was the, that was the dream. And but that's, it was, that's when t- tiny homes were really trendy. Yes. Really yes. trendy. And still, I mean, I think that if we, if we got some of the quirks fixed on the Airstream, it would still be very like, it would be awesome to Airbnb that out or something, but there's just stuff. Yeah. Like if stuff that was are you, quirky. Are you plan- quirky. <coughs> Excuse me. Are you planning on getting a flush toilet? Uh, no, I don't think so, actually. Okay. Do you think um, we've people seen... with Airbnb uh, composting toilet? Uh, I've seen it. They do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho. Yeah, so that's that's uh, part of the reason that we did that was just like we're, yeah, we can live. We didn't know if, we didn't know how long, we didn't know any of that, but it became very clear very quickly that it wasn't going to be for too long. So we eventually bought another house in Chattanooga which we now love. It's been a disaster as well for a while, but now it's amazing and we love it. Um, that's glossing over a lot, but it I sure is. That, you know. I, um, yeah. I absolutely love, uh, uh, this is a crazy story, but what is a huge theme throughout this is you're extremely wise with your finances. And that is something that um, most Americans are not able to have discipline and control and you're able to that's that needs to be a huge takeaway here i think with this crazy theme and your attitude you have i don't you know i wasn't there for a lot of the moments i'm you know when you're weeping wet in <laughs> illinois i wasn't there for that but um hey you're laughing about it now yeah and yeah. you don't have you know hundreds of thousand dollars in debt yeah. from being more comfortable in the house for many, many nights yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. That, well, yeah. Thanks for saying that. I, it, part of it is, it, it's kind of fun for me. Like I like, I mean, on the surface, it sounds like you're irresponsible, but you are one of the <laughs> most responsible, logical, s- smart people that I know. That's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Thanks dad. Yeah, no problem. Thanks man. Yeah, I, um, a lot of that is just, it's, it's fun for me. It's fun for me to, to save money where I don't care and, and, and save it for stuff that I really, really love and a lot of, you know, travel and, and, you know, we've done that stuff together. And so, um, yeah, but part of the thing, I mean, one of the the biggest things, anyone who's been married for longer than me is just going to be actually anyone, if you're not even married, you're going to laugh at me, but it's just like learning the things that you're okay with, uh, sacrificing or you're okay with not having, or you're okay with, uh, mega delayed gratification or whatever. And, and finding those balances with your spouse is that's been, I mean, one of our, like, there's so many things that I don't think twice about going without or, or whatever that, that Alexis might not be. And so it's just like learning a lot of those things. Um, I'm sure so many people are laughing at me right now, but anyways, yeah, that's, um, yeah. Laughing at part you, of the journey. laughing at you because mm-hmm. what they're thinking. Oh yeah. That's I mean, so many people who are probably thinking like, Oh yeah, you had a compost toilet, you idiot with your newly married, you know, like your, <laughs> your newlywed with a composting toilet. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, you live and learn, you live and learn. <laughs> and, uh, you learn the best um, by by actually doing. How you do? How then you do. From thank you, Alexis. About, I love you. Of <laughs> other people, <laughs> crack it up for dealing with me. Um. So you okay? I'm gonna pick this story back up where you left it off okay. at. You um, no longer had a mortgage, so now mm-hmm. you felt safe to quit your job. Yes. Which you did quit your job. Yes. 
and tell tell me what that experience was like going from um, living in a van in your backyard mm-hmm. and then quitting your secure job. Yes. And yeah. why did you want to quit your job? Okay, so um, I it was really a great job. Um, I I liked a lot of the people that I worked with. The biggest thing was just flexibility. I, I was starting to freelance was starting to build and. Um, I was getting more work and then it was getting to the point where I was having to say no to things because I couldn't get off of my real job. Was the real job um, full time, like 40 real hours? Jo- oh yeah, yeah. I was full time okay. office all the time. Um, and you know, two weeks vacation a year. Um, and again, a lot of that is just like, it's, it's, those are good things. Like it was secure. It was, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things. Health insurance. Job. Health insurance. Oh God, I did miss that. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of sweet perks of having, you know, the perks that you get from having a full-time job. Um, but man, it was just like uh, left and right. I was having to say no to, to jobs that were really exciting and maybe, maybe paid great, maybe paid crap, you know, but I was having to say no to them. And so I tried really hard for a while to convince my job to be flexible and maybe go, part-time in the office, part-time, you know, some type of, of scenario where I could stay on staff and still have the flexibility to do freelance stuff. Um, and they were just not having it. Um, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Tried to have a lot of conversations. They were just not having it. It was much more, um, yeah, just like the traditional workplace stuff. Um, and so I was just like, uh, I still have a great relationship with them. I still do freelance with them. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I, it's time for me to take the risk and go do, um, try to make freelance work. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, that was, a, that was a hard move. That was a, that was a hard move. I also had done that once before whenever I, I worked at an Apple store for five years in, in Texas and it was the same kind of thing. It was like, I, I quit that to work part time at a church not getting paid a ton, um, and do freelance, you know? And so, but it was like, and that, you know, Apple treats their employees so well. So that was another like really safe, really good, like, I mean, stock off, you know, like so many, so many good perks that it was like, I had to really, um, do a lot of mental, you know, not mental work, but like, whatever pep talks like self talk whatever oh yeah pump yourself up yeah pump myself up to like to leave that really really good thing um for something that is really risky and could be better and now i could not imagine myself working in an you know at that apple store still or working working for a great organization in a schedule that i couldn't handle you know like it it is so it has been so worth the risk of leaving those safer things for the life that I really wanted, which is more flexibility, more flexibility, getting to do, we haven't gotten into it, but like one of the things that, um, yeah, like people ask like, what type of video work do I do? And, And I do tons. It's like whatever I can do to pay the bills. But one of the most exciting things is like we do, you and I Mm -hmm. do motorcycle trips together for a magazine. And that's like, um, those don't pay a lot, but it's like, that is, that's so life-giving. And so it's like that type of thing that um, I wouldn't trade that for, I wouldn't, I literally wouldn't trade that for a full-time safe job because it's like, it's more worth it to um, 
have to be a little bit more creative financially, but get to do things that give me so much life. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Roadrunner. That's the, yeah. that's the magazine that we, um, work for Yep, and we've done multiple yep. trips. Yep. Um, what, what was, gosh, what was, um, I'm going to tell the story and yeah, how please. you, you started working for them. I was working for them before. Yes. Um, and then I went on a trip and invited you to come with me. Yes. So as you and I, neither of us had motorcycles, by the way. Right. And yep. so we called it the Borrowed Bikes Tour. Yep. And um, we borrowed bikes, and you brought your video stuff along. Uh-huh. And you just made a video. Um, you put in effort, work, mm-hmm. made a solid video, and kind of showed it to them mm-hmm. when we got back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey do you want to buy this video? Uh-huh. And they loved it. Uh-huh. It was a great video. And then we started getting more assignments together. Yep. <clears throat> Before I was doing trips um, either by myself or with buddies and they were like talent. So like they wanted to go on a trip with me, but everything changed when I started going on trips with you because we both were working mm-hmm. and that and it just worked out a lot better mm-hmm. if I, my agenda is I have to stop and take photos yep. and write a story and your agenda is I'm doing the same just with video it's yep. it's been this fantastic partnership yep. doing these trips with you super yep. fun yeah amen to that amen to that yeah and we both we both uh enjoy you know I've done the same thing with BMX like forever yeah. you know yeah. it's like I'm the only one filming or the whatever but now it's like we go on trips together and we're both stoked on getting good footage, getting good photos, um, along with just enjoying, enjoying, enjoying the trip. Um, motorcycle I know that traveling. you don't, I know that you don't talk about yourself on this, but, <laughs> but Luke has a very similar, you have a very similar, um, yeah, way of getting into that. Like you did some, some free blog stuff for them mm-hmm. you, or blogged for them and then like kind of pitched your way in like I could do this trip for maybe the magazine yeah right I definitely and, pitched <laughs> yep and then mine was the same exact thing it was like I I documented this thing and I remember having the conversation with you that was like would you be okay with me maybe making something out of what I've been filming and pitching it to them and you were like would be so stoked like we could be the the I think the one two punch team yeah. of like yeah. photo and video we could go on trips and that's exactly how it's worked out. Now Luke and I do I mean we've done up to six trips a year or whatever with them, which is just like nuts. And then nuts. We, and then there's perks with, you know, motorcycles in the garage and stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a man, even if it even if quitting the the normal jobs afforded that, those experiences, even if it ended right now. Mm-hmm. those experiences, it's just like, man, that is just, it's so, so worth it. Those are experiences that I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. 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 Likewise. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I also don't have a nine to five job yep. and I, I would not be happy if uh, I had to start doing that again. Yep. But it is, yeah. it is very difficult working for yourself. It is. It is very yeah. yeah. How has been in the Corona era? How has been being oh, self man. self-employed man? Um, <laughs> it has been, <laughs> is it tempting been to go re- back to the, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Throughout, especially, well, maybe not at this very moment because I have work on the calendar. Um, but man, Corona has been really rough. Uh, I hope that freelancers are listening to this right now and whatever, even if it's just for to someone to relate to, but it's like, um, yeah, when, when, when it hit and the lockdown and all that stuff, all of my work, I, I had, I had a packed calendar for like the summer and beyond. 
and everything. I, I went from a packed calendar to an absolutely empty calendar, not a single job in on the horizon. So were people um, canceling? Canceling yeah. left and right. Yeah, yeah, And and some people were trying to hang on. Maybe maybe July, like oh, we could still make it happen. It yeah, filming this event or whatever, or push it back or whatever. And it just all just whew, got wiped. Um, and so that was terrifying. Um, we had actually Alexis and I had just closed on a house. We just moved in, then realized that the seller had lied about a bunch of stuff. So we're dealing with all of this. Um, it was just the perfect storm, man. It was like just stuff going wrong with the house tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff that we're having to cover that we weren't planning on. Then all my work disappears. She's about to start a new business. She does ceramics. Um, so she had just quit a job, quit a nanny job, um, which she could have continued, but decided to quit so that she could do ceramics full time. Like literally we're moving to this house. You're going to have a studio space in the backyard, all these plans. And then just the world ended like, so yeah, man, it was rough. And so I was constantly, um, yeah, man. I mean, so much of, uh, realizing even how much of my like identity is wrapped up in like my own work and stuff like that. Just having nothing to do, nothing on the calendar. It was rough. It was real rough. How'd, how'd you um, get through it? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't like, I think I'll be processing through all of that for quite a while still. Um, of just where all I was mentally and spiritually and all that stuff. It was, just, it was rough. Um, and, uh, yeah, eventually financially, eventually stuff started to trickle back in. Um, I got, oh, I had someone, uh, actually a friend who works for a bank kind of like take me under their wing to be like, I'm, we're going to get you the PPP, like, like really walking me through the whole process so that I could get it because my, the way that I have my, um, business finances and stuff like that, like didn't look good to, you know, a bank. And so man, it, it just, I was provided for God provided through it, but it was like, I mean, barely we were racking up credit card, you know, it was just like, it was a situation that I do not, I never wanted to be in. And then now, have- now I have gotten enough work after like stuff has started to kind of open up a little bit, it, you know, wise or unwise, whatever I'm, I've been taking anything that I can. And, um, yeah, it's like, Basically, I have replaced the um, the income that was lost, which is unreal. Um, so I'm very thankful, very very thankful. And not everyone is in that situation. Some people are still not working and still yeah in crappy situations. So um, yeah, did we've you, survived. The, I think to, the, the thick of it. What were you gonna say? Well, I just did. You have to cut back on your cappuccino intake. Uh, I did cut back. We had to cut cut back on everything, <laughs> everything, dude. Because we had we even budgeted. You know, like the stuff you move into a house and you're gonna get you know, light fixtures and curtain, like literally furniture, like very normal things when you move into a new space. And this was a bigger space, obviously than the Airstream. (laughs) Um, so we move into this space and, and all of that, that we had budgeted to like do stuff with making the house a little bit more us, we couldn't. Um, so we could, we literally couldn't buy lamps for months because it was just like every dime was going into like covering crap that was going wrong with the house or our, our, you know, just life, you know, expenses and stuff. So it was rough. It was rough, but you're doing good now. Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. We're surviving. I I, honestly, just having work on the calendar is like, so as a, as a freelancer, um, is, is just so, it gives me so much peace of mind of just like, okay, like there's, there's work that's going to be coming in. It's good. Um, 
Can you tell us some about some of your travels overseas? Yeah, yeah. What would you like to know? Let's hear India. Mm. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, India, well, actually, can I start with my, oh, my first one? Yeah, please. Okay. okay, and then I'll go to India. So my first trip was New Zealand, um, which was like... Was that your first time leaving the country? First time. I, I had been to Mexico because I grew up on the Texas coast, which sure. we were like three hours away from Mexico. So I'd been there a couple of times. Um, but like barely that I can even remember I was younger. Um, and so this was my first time overseas. That's, that's my fantastic. first time. Yeah. New Zealand. That's so, a... oh my gosh. So yeah, I had, I was actually working for the Apple store, um, at the time and, uh, I had convinced them to reimburse some of my school, um, expenses, uh, for some of the classes that I was taking because they were going to ha- actually help me with my job. So, cause I was like teaching software for like whatever, more creative stuff. So video editing and, um, yeah, graphic design stuff like at the Apple store. So I was taking graphic design classes. So I, anyways, finagled that the, the payment that I got from that, instead of going back another semester and investing that back into school, I blew that on a trip to New Zealand, um, which was the best decision at that point, like one of the best decisions of my life because uh, one of my buddies, Charles, who was a groomsman at my wedding, like one of my best friends, um, he was living in New Zealand, uh, working at a ski resort, and so uh, well, on a mountain. He was a lifty, and so I went and visited him, and that just like not telling any details about that trip was phenomenal. Um, it was phenomenal. We just rode bikes around, uh, rode BMX bikes. We road tripped around the North Island and rode BMX bikes. It was, it was amazing, but it just opened my eyes to like. I had thought my entire life that traveling internationally was for rich people. Like that was just, and it was fine. It was like, okay, that, you know, that's, it's just not something, it wasn't a part of my life growing up. We, we never traveled like the places that we traveled, um, were, you know, in Texas. And, and I just, it was just this foreign concept to travel internationally. When I did that, I was like, that was a thousand dollars. I think I could save a thousand dollars a year. And, you know, like as a, I'm, I'm paying for myself to go through college, like all this stuff, like, I think I could save that to travel internationally once a year. And that would be like, I kind of made this little, like kind of a goal to travel internationally once a year. Yeah. And cause it felt possible. And I was like, that's a, that's a dream. Like I never thought that that could be possible, but that just opened my eyes. So that was the thing that sparked like the, I mean, I got bit hard with the travel bug at that moment, like going to New Zealand with Charles. Um, and there's a million stories in that, but that's how, how long were you in New Zealand? It was only 10 days, 10 days. Yeah. 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 But it was just, you can imagine like New New Zealand is so like just different everywhere that you go. It was like traveling to 10 countries. Seriously. It's like, we're up on a snowy mountain in a blizzard and then we're on a, uh, a hot springs, spot on a beach where it's a mix between ocean water and hot spring water and you have you dig yourself a hot tub it's just like dude it was nuts it was just like so out of this world um it just blew my mind so that was the spark then it was like okay any chance i get to go out of the country i'm gonna go so while i was living in my van um i had the opportunity to go with first it was it was a church and an organization to go to india um and and just document the different ministries that they were partnering with over there. Um, and that was a whole different type of blow your mind experience. Um, India. Have you been to India yet? I've not been to India. I've been all over Africa. It, there's similarities for sure. Yeah. Um, 
and you've literally, Luke has literally been all over Africa because he's <laughs> done a motorcycle trip all over Africa <laughs> from the bottom to the top. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it, uh, I've been now twice to India and both times I kind of bounced around, which was like, it is just an experience that I, uh, again, like would not trade. Um, because I've now seen like, like I can literally, I can meet someone from India now and ask where they're from. And chances are I've been within like an hour of their, or to the place where they're from. You've um, been to that many towns in India. I, I've been all over dude. So the first trip was like over the East, uh, like kind of from the North to the South. Um, and like Delhi, uh, and then there's this tiny town, Chilakalurupet and then Vijiwada, which is like a, a kind of bigger town. The second trip was like, Flew into Kerala, which is southwest, and then went up north, and then went east, and then down. Plus, I've been I went to Nepal on one of those trips, and like bounced all over. So they were, I just don't even know how to describe India other than like an assault to the senses. Like it's just, um, yeah, you just you get off the plane, and it's just just temperature, smells, good and bad lots of good lots of bad smells um and and just people everywhere you're getting touched constantly i can't i can't even imagine the experience now in covid because it's like there's no personal space over there you're getting bumped like all the time like there is no concept of personal space um it's yeah it's just a wild it feels out of this world experience it was it was amazing um and i was like we were bouncing around with families so like you know we're we're going to uh, visit a organization that the church partnered with or whatever, but it's, you know, we're meeting the family and the family invites us to their house and we have chai at their house, you know, like around their coffee table. And it's just like, uh, well, chai table, whatever it would be over there, <laughs> their, their table in their living room. <laughs> it probably is a chai um, table. Yeah. So it was just like so many of those experiences that are, um, just foreign country in families' homes, which you know. It's just yeah, like, that's, that is mu- that's cream of the crop. That's that way, is the way to do it. That's way different than yep. touristing your way through. Mm-hmm. So you, you and that's my jam. So that was man, just just so awesome. Can yeah. I think you've told me a story uh, where you've gotten sick in India? Um, actually, the last time I went, what have I been two or three times? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I think just two. I think two to India. Anyways. Um, yeah, I've traveled a bunch of places and never gotten sick. And the last time I went, I finally got sick. Um, so were you building up, were you starting to do a little more on the reckless side? I've always been reckless. I've always, (laughs) I've always like, if the locals are trying something, I'm in hundred percent. If they're eating it and if they're drinking it, you're down. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. I like going with that concept. Yeah. And so far I'm sure that there's, um, uh, there's foolishness to that, but it's like, so at that, up to that point. It's been fine. It was working. Not a single, like I had had more issues with the medication. Like I had a, like a throat ulcer from the, um, doxycycline or whatever the, um, the malaria medication. Yeah. yeah. My first trip to India. Yeah. I had like that going on. So then I stopped taking malaria medication. So, um, but this time it was my first time, uh, having stomach issues and me and another woman on the trip, uh, just had, Terrible, terrible stomach issues after a meal. I think it was either in a village or at an airport that we got some type of something. Can you t- tell me about the cleanliness? I'm I'm remembering some kind of story where you ate something and then... Oh, you're thinking of the poop dungeon. <laughs> poop dungeon. Yes. Let's do that. It, was that in India? It was in India. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was actually in Nepal, I think. Okay. It was in... 
If you look up the town Mirik, M-I-R-I-K, I think I can't remember. I think it's in Nepal, like up in the mountains. Man, yeah. So we, um, oh my gosh, that story. <laughs> uh, there was a place. Um, we were at this like it was a conference center, but it was um, just a, a concrete building um, in the mountains. And it was like a, it was just a, a Christian, like Bible study type event where it was teaching people uh, through like a book of the Bible, um, studying through the book, a book of the Bible. So part of this was like, I was actually, I was filming, but they also asked me to lead some of these discussions. And so, um, and I'm a believer. So like, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, then there's these signs that just say like, ladies, gents, down arrow. So at some point I have to go to the restroom and, you know, we've already like, this is like, I think maybe day two at this event. So like before, you know, whatever, I hadn't even gone to the restroom there. I'd wait until we're back at our place. And, um, but you know, I'm, we're there. I'm going to go to the restroom. Um, so we've had meals there, all, all this stuff. Um, that's an important detail. So I, I walk down the stairs and, um, get down to the bottom step. And then I just, <laughs> I, I feel that and hear that. And I'm like, the ground is wet. And so I keep walking and then it's <laughs> down this dark hallway, this concrete building. We're in like the basement of this concrete building. And, um, and I'm walking through this, like that, that sound that sound. And then I hear voices at the end and, and I'm, and I see like a light at the, literally a light at the end of this, like dark tunnel of a, of a hall. And it looks like that's the bathroom. So I'm walking but I hear voices, voices, voices. I get past this um, uh, this room, and I look to my left, and it's the kitchen that is on this level with this sludge on the ground. And that is where they've prepared all of our meals at this, which I've already eaten multiple meals. And I'm like, all right, dear. <laughs> they're, they're literally preparing lunch right now, and there is like who knows what. I don't know if it, it smells, but it could be chicken stock on the ground but yeah. it's most likely not you haven't in investigated yet yeah so um so i finally i pass this room and it's just it's, it feels like it's from a movie i like am walking past this room and i see a dog and i see all the people around in the kitchen um with air quotes kitchen. air quotes kitchen um you know preparing the giant uh vats or whatever of you know soup and things that they're going to be serving us then you know, a couple more yards and I get to the restroom and it's just, you know, concrete walls, concrete floor, one tiny window and, um, and urinals. So, okay. So I start going to the restroom. Um, this is a little graphic. Um, and, uh, then I feel something on my legs and I'm like, what the, what, what the heck? And I, I look down and the urinal doesn't go to any plumbing. The <laughs> urinal is a urinal mounted on the ground or mounted on the wall. And it's just a hole in the bottom and the hole just goes just to the ground. So I'm peeing into this urinal and it's just dripping down. You're just peeing on the ground. I'm just peeing on the ground. You're peeing on yourself. Uh, yes. So I'm peeing on myself. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I'm literally, it's just splashing from the ground, from the little ground, yeah. um, back up to my shins. Yeah. Um, did you wear so, shorts? Well, I'm feeling it on my pants. So that's okay. part of the story. Uh, later on I have, um, this, this is the best part of the story. I have, um, something from the meal there stuck in my teeth. And so I'm in my hotel room, um, 
and or no, not hotel room, whatever we're in, whatever, whatever kind of room we're in. And um, I used the a string that was on the bottom of my pants to floss my teeth. <laughs> this is no lie. And um, and it wasn't until I think oh a month later that I realized at telling that story that that was those were the pants that I was wearing in the poop dungeon that I flossed my um, <laughs> the, the chicken out of my out of my teeth with. Um, yeah, so that's a good India story. And I didn't get sick. And, oh, you didn't, and I didn't get, get sick. That was not the trip where I got sick. Where were so is it confirmed? Were people just pooping in that hallway? Uh, there, no, I don't. I actually didn't go to the one stall that was in there to see where that where that went. went. I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah. Oh, and you I have a photo of the ladies and gents with the arrow so, arrow thing, yeah. and I have a, a photo of I went back down there with my camera and took a picture of the urinal. So I have a picture <laughs> of the urinal with, that just goes to nowhere as well. It's, but I, I affectionately named it the poop dungeon. That it's, is, oh, that's and you didn't get sick, and I didn't get sick. That's I didn't hilarious. get sick. I also we we went on a rafting trip in the mountains with. Uh, they said it was this disgusting river. And that like all the cities on the mountain just dump their trash into and their crap into. Um, and I swallowed water and I didn't get sick. I, I jumped off the side of the boat during that and wound up accidentally swallowing water. Anyways, didn't get sick. And then whatever, last time I went to India, I got, I got sick. So you're probably, you probably swim in the Tennessee river. You probably don't care. I definitely, you know, I swim. We both I swim know. in the Tennessee river. <laughs> we know. both love the Tennessee river. I love river. the Tennessee river. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. So I forget about the poop dungeon. That's hilarious. What, what um, happened? What, tell me some more travel stories. Uh, like, what was Africa like? Um, Africa. I love Africa. Africa is surprisingly, um, it's just different in different countries, which makes sense. But I don't think I really thought that before going there. Oh, kind of like kinda... Africa is like you know, it's Africa. Yeah. Um, and I had this idea of what. Africa was and some of that is very true some of the like whatever whatever I had in my mind was true and some of it it's just like you just see you know the different cultures and different foods and different especially food like food is like distinct to where you're you're at um and so that I just I just love it I like I can't wait to go back to different African countries to just like just experience yeah the different the different countries of Africa. What countries um, have you been in Africa? Been to Kenya. I've been to Uganda. Oh my gosh, man. Uh, I've been to Uganda, but I, ha- I haven't been to South Sudan, but I actually went to a South Sudanese refugee camp in Uganda, which was one of the most, um, man, impactful experiences that I've had abroad. Um, that I can tell kind of a, a quick story from that. Yeah. Um, I was documenting uh, stories for the, the organization that I used to work for here in Chattanooga, Precept. Um, they, they have like offices all over the world. So they have an office in Uganda where they, um, it's basically like Bible study training materials. So they just like, they, they help walk you through how to study a book of the Bible and just like without any commentary, without any, preconceived anything um just like here's what the text says which is awesome um and so they're literally they have these books in this refugee camp and so there's um these christian like the believers in this terrible terrible um refugee camp because of the civil war that they had experienced in south sudan so it's these people who have 
seen their family members murdered, seen their family members raped, seen their family members uh, just like any terrible, like starving, all of this stuff. They've been starving. They've been raped. They've been like just, just terrible life experiences from the civil war in South Sudan. They're now living in a, in a refugee camp in Uganda. And one of the things that they are doing is like, they have these little churches and they, they have, they go through these Bible studies. And I went there to like kind of meet them and document some of what was going on there. And man, it was just, um, it was, it was a wild, um, not wild. I don't even know how to describe it. It was an emotional and heavy, uh, as you can imagine, um, just time. So like I'm meeting these pastors, we're in this little like hut and the pastors who get these rations from the government, not even sure which government, whatever, they get these like rice rations and things like that. Um, and live with nothing. I mean, like they have the clothes maybe that they brought and maybe some, they're making clothes out of whatever they found and like maybe getting some from some organization or whatever, but they have nothing. They have nothing. They're living in these dirt floor huts in this refugee camp. Um, and, and the people, the pastors there and the, um, the, just the people there like cook us this meal with food that they've like say, like, meat that they don't even get in their rations yeah they, they are serving us this meal that's better food than they eat and that was just a and, and literally like they they prepared it and then they serve it and then all of them just sit you know at the edges of this this hut and just watch us eat and just smile and they're just so they're so happy that we're there they're so grateful for like the materials that this these people have brought they're so grateful that we would just come and like and talk with them and um and just happy to share food that's better than the food that they get in their terrible living situation. It was just like, you know, I'm like begging them kind of like, can y'all like, please like y'all eat the, you know, like we're fine. Like we literally were leaving there and we could go get, you know, go get our food outside of the refugee camp and whatever. And they served us and it was just like, yeah, it was just a really, um, one of the most impactful like moments I think that I've ever experienced. And then on top of that, I get to hear their stories of how they have, um, they've learned about forgiveness through literally through like studying these like passages in the Bible and have forgiven people who murdered their families and who raped their wives and like, like just cannot even compute, you know, like stuff that I'm hearing from these people. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was a phenomenal, um, and, and hard and, um, yeah, another experience that I wouldn't trade, but it, yeah, it was just, it was unreal, man. These people are amazing. Were you yeah. going, were you only there at the refugee camp for one day? One day, yeah. one day. So it was just like, I, and I, there's actually now, I think it's actually online. Like a lot of the stories that I filmed for this organization can't be shared for different reasons because of whatever countries they're in and things like that. But, um, this story actually is, I think, live on their website. You can actually see this uh, this story oh, that I documented, camp. yeah, of the refugee <laughs> camp, which is yeah. it's just powerful. Um, yeah, so I've just had experiences like that that are just, um, yeah, so um, I'm so grateful to have had those experiences. You've had so many experiences, so many experiences. Tell us about your your trip with your dad over in England. Yeah, um, so my again, like I never grew up really traveling with my, um, like traveling to any crazy places with my family, just cause we would just travel in Texas or do a camping trip in Texas or whatever. But, um, 
I know that my dad has these places in the world that he has talked about for forever. Never even talked about like, um, I really said like, I want to go there someday, but like, I know he wants to, like he talked about Yosemite, like so much. Like it's one of those places that he just like, he loved Yosemite and he loved like Teddy Roosevelt and just like what, you know, what, uh, what he did to kind of make some of that happen and, and preserve some of these places. And, um, he talked about England and like wanting to go to some of the places where, uh, yeah, like different, like church, my dad's a pastor and like different church history and just beautiful places in England. And so at some point I was like, you know, thinking about the things you want to do in your life and, and just like, why are you not doing them? And one of those was like traveling with my dad to some of these places that I've heard him talk about. So for his 60th birthday, we went to Yosemite and then a couple years later, we did um, we did a bike trip uh, and went to England and went all over England on bicycles on a little bicycle tour, um, and it was phenomenal. Is, uh, your, is your dad a cyclist? So I actually I had done a my dad was not a cyclist, but I actually did a trip um, before and invited my dad, and he. Did, like didn't think he could do it just because the mileage that we'd be doing. And so he didn't go. And basically immediately after that, my dad started riding bikes and like started kind of getting into it and getting serious about it. And he started training. Um, yeah. So it was never really like communicated, but it kind of felt like when I do another trip, it's on, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yeah. so, um, so he, yeah, he was riding, he was like more in shape than he'd ever been that I had seen. And, and so it was like, it was time. So we planned a trip and I invited him again to go to, um, yeah, to go to England and do a trip with, um, another really good friend and his dad. Um, and they're just like family friends now. And then my buddy Charles, who went on the first trip with me, with his dad, um, his dad couldn't go on this trip, but my buddy Charles went. So it was like five of us. Five. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. It was amazing. We went to a bunch of places that were like bucket list places. A lot of like, um, the Roman type of, of places. We went to York and went to, um, yeah, just all over the Lake district. And, um, it was phenomenal. And then you made a video of it. And yes, yeah, I made a video of that. So there's actually a short film on, um, yeah, on YouTube now of our of our cycling trip, which is awesome. And I have it on my website and stuff. But that was a very uh, obviously just like it just meant a lot to do a trip like that with my dad. And and he was like, he would probably say he was just like struggling the whole time because it was like it's a ton of elevation that we were not really planning on exactly. And he was training in Rockport, Texas, which is on the coast. So coastal town, not like, yeah, Gulf coast town, completely flat. Um, and man, he killed it. It was just like, we just, he charged through. He made it. How many days and miles about was this? I can't remember. I think it was eight days of riding. I think that's a lot. Um, and we were, it feels like we averaged like 70 miles a day, but I think we averaged like 40 or something like that. Um, but yeah, we just got like an, uh, I almost said Airbnb, an actual bed and breakfast, like in each, um, an old bed and breakfast in each town that we would stop in. It was so great. Did you plan ahead where your stops were? Um, we planned ahead. I think, yeah, I think everywhere, maybe one of the towns we didn't, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of had a place that we needed to get to. Um, so it was sweet. We started in London, took a train from there. Uh, my dad actually like his flight got canceled. So he flew in a day later and had to do all of the airport London tube for the first time on his own, ride like 
30 miles to meet up with us or maybe 50 miles or something to meet up with us in the middle of England without cell service. Like it was, it was a disaster. And then whenever he met up with it, it was just like this unbelievably like joyous moment of like meeting up with, you know, like him meeting up with us in the middle of England, like on his own, like never traveled you like that before it was just like did it was so at, sweet did you meet at the hotel we we met him in the middle of uh we told him we were gonna we like sent him a message hoping he would get it of we're, we're in this town so we literally just like went to the middle of that little town uh bounus and windmere i think is what it was called um just like on the main strip hoping he it's passed just, the main street yeah. that came into town and we knew what direction he was coming from and sure enough he rolls into town and it was that it was mom- magical dude. that moment when you saw when you guys saw each other yep i know what that feels like yep yep it was phenomenal so because he was basically like lost you know like and i was like i don't even know I know for me, who's like traveled a bunch, like the London tube is like no joke to figure out how to navigate and get to, oh, and he had to build his bike by himself and figure out where to store his bike bag and like all of this stuff my dad's doing alone and then meets up with us. And it was just like this. It was amazing. That's right at the beginning of the trip. Yep. So now I've had, you know, like my dad and I had done a few smaller things whenever I was younger and like he helped me build my ramps in my backyard and all this stuff, but it was all like just local. So these were like, um, yeah, just like now I have these two like adventurous experiences, um, with my dad, which is awesome. That's really special. Yeah. And hopefully we'll do more. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are some of the, in the future, what are some of your hair, I'm going to say harebrained ideas that you have that you're. Um, well, one is, so and I, I, and I say harebrained ideas in the most loving, know, positive. I it's just, I know it's coming from you. I know it's loving. Yeah. Yeah. Cause but, I, I also have harebrained ideas, but yep, I don't yep. believe the harebrained. That's I, I appreciate that. They are the best parts of life. Unconventional. What are some of the yes. unconventional ideas you have? So one of the have? things, uh, for some reason, somewhere along the line um, in my life, I had the idea to live abroad twice. Mm-hmm. So I've now done that once with Alexis, which I'm so glad that I did it like with her. Like I didn't do that before we got married. Like we got to do that together. Yeah. Um, that was one. Now another one we're, we're talking about and trying to plan who knows what will happen with COVID. Um, if we're allowed to travel, um, and if it's possible, uh, we want to do another stint somewhere. Um, and we're thinking France. So, um, yeah, man, like that, that is uh, doing a French speaking country. So probably France, uh, is just like, that's been a dream of dreams to just be there for two to three months. Do, do you um, and Alexis both speak French or, um, I, we've both taken it. I took it in high school and college and then she took it in high school. And I've just like, I just love, we both love the language and like, I, I just, yeah, I just love it and would love to be immersed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just like same thing with getting a car that doesn't run right and figuring yeah, out how yeah. to use it. It's like, I just want to be immersed in the language so that I can learn it better. Cause I can like, uh, I, I do like Duolingo like every day. Um, but it, when someone's trying to talk to me or I'm trying to talk, it takes me so long to compute and translate. And, um, I just, I just want to be immersed in it. So, so yeah, we're, we're looking into places where we would be and we would love to do it next year. Like I, 
like 2021. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're trying three, to make three that months, happen. like a three month stint. I or? would for sure do three months. I'm like the longer, the better, yeah. but, but three months was hard for Alexis to be gone for. It's just like a lot to be away from and new, a lot of new things. I thrive on new things and change is harder on her. Um, so yeah, we're going to do, I think the kind of meet in the middle is like, we we're probably thinking two, two to three months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And would you be trying to work at all while you're there? I would. So I'm trying to I'm trying to actually figure out a place. If anyone listening to this knows of a <laughs> place where we could stay, uh, so our place in Australia we actually got for free. Um, so that was no rent for for three months while we were there. I would love to work something like that out this time. So whether it's trading video work for a place to stay, or um, who knows? Like we're, I'm just trying to figure out something creative for us to we're living on someone's farm. Um, who, who knows? Um, I'm kind of just somewhere in France, exactly somewhere in France. I'd love it'd be sweet to be on the coast of France. Cause whenever we were living in Australia, I could surf and that was also a dream goal. So to live in two places for a little bit of time where I could surf would be a dream. Um, so yeah, I'd love to be on the coast somewhere where there's, where there's some surf nearby and, um, yeah, that's the, that's the plan. So I'd say that might be a hairbrain idea. <laughs> that's not hairbrain. Um, no, that sounds great. Yeah, so that's the that's the plan, and um, and then who knows who knows what's after that? What did you almost say? No, I mean then. So those are just two things. Like living abroad twice, and especially in a French speaking country, is like those are just things. It's like those are bucket list of all bucket list. Like yeah. that's a it's like your Africa trip. It's like yeah. once you've done that, it's like it just feels like okay, I've done it. Like you yeah. know, so. There's there's some more settly downy family things that will you sure. know like you know have kids and stuff like that. I'll feel um, it'll just be a bonus, man. It's like those are like bonus life things. Like I don't deserve to have lived in Australia. I don't you know totally. it's just like that's just a bonus. So living in France will just be another like man, like we did it, you know. Yeah. And then like a life's good moment. Exa- exactly, exactly. And so yeah, then it'll be a lot easier to just like yeah start having kiddos and stuff like that when and maybe we'll do it again with kiddos but like yeah people we, travel yeah kids. yeah absolutely I mean, but it's possible but we know we can do it without kiddos right now and so yeah, yeah doing that before we have kids will be yeah life goal man that's sweet. awesome so yeah just trying to plan that and figure out like obviously coronavirus has um made that a little bit more not wishy-washy but like you know kind of tentative Versus yeah. just like concrete and like getting a place to stay already. And cause I don't even know if we'll be able to fly there and stuff, but right. Yeah. That's the plan, man. That very much excites me. Well, um, how, mm-hmm. if people want to use you as a videographer, how do they get a hold of you? Mm. Everything is Cameron Asa that I have online. So it's CameronAsa.com. My email address is hello at CameronAsa.com. My Instagram is CameronAsa. My Twitter is CameronAsa. Pretty much everything's CameronAsa. How do you spell? Oh, Asa is my middle name, by the way. So C A M E R O N A S A. Cameron Asa. I don't know if I even knew that. And I for knew. anyone who hears this, my last name is pronounced Mylenberg. <laughs> <laughs> usually that's a difficult one. It's usually Muhlenberg or Mullenberg to people, but it's pronounced Mylenberg. Did I pronounce it wrong at the beginning? Oh no, I don't think so. Okay. It, it doesn't bother me at all whenever people do. Like literally it's like people say it and I'm just kinda like, sure, yeah, whatever whatever yeah. comes out, I'm fine with. Yeah. So, yeah. You're pretty easy but, going. But I like to know how people's names are pronounced, so people can know. Mylenberg. Well, um, do you have mm-hmm. anything to add here? What, do you got any funny stories Gosh, anymore you want to I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there needs to be a Luke Swab episode because I feel like <laughs> just the stories that we have together are, we've done, we've yeah. had a lot of sweet trips together. 
Um, but the story has come out once in a while. Once in a while. Yeah. Once in a while. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I would, I just, especially like talking with someone like you, we've both done things that are a little bit, you know, seem a little bit weird or yeah, harebrained. Harebra- sure. Harebrained. And yeah, I just like, that is, man, one of the most joyous parts of life for me. So it's just like, I just, I highly encourage people if you have those ideas just to try to make them happen. Like the, the video that I did with my, uh, my dad and friends in England, like that, that video basically ends with like, just, you know, like find people around you that will pull triggers with you. And that's like, um, yeah, all of the, these moments that just light me up and make me so stoked on life and so grateful are kind of the, um, Hairbrain, whatever, whatever it is, you know, just like more unconventional, but like a little bit risky, but really, um, man, pay off and give so many sweet memories. And I just encourage people to go for it. That's it. I, th- I kind of want to tell you, um, please, please. The reason I say hairbrain is a reference to my cousin who fishes in Alaska okay. with me. Okay. And so I fish in Bristol Bay. I've been fishing for 18 years. It's my main job. And um, Bristol Bay, you fly into Luke Swab it. is the most interesting man in the world, by the way. <laughs> the most. So all these people he interviews are pale in comparison no, to get the, the interest. Yes, absolutely. Get out of here. Okay, so sorry. So, so in your other uh, life where you're a commercial fisherman. Yeah, when I'm um, not a podcast a year, host, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a commercial fisherman. You fly into this town called King Sam in Alaska. You can look it up. And all the commercial fishermen fly into there. Now... If you're interested in watching bears, brown bears, the most popular place that I know of in the world to view bears up close catching fish out of the river is called Brooks Falls. So it's a, uh, it's on, yeah, it's a Brooks Falls. Uh, it's a creek that comes out of Brook Lake. And so people fly into King Salmon to bear watch. And so people spend thousands of dollars to do this trip, right? And this happens to be the tiny little airport that I fly into every single year to fish. So after fishing, I've done this a couple of times, but um, one t- the first time I went there, um, at the end of the season, I wanted to go to Brooks Falls and see the bears up close catching the fish. It's kind of fun to do. So mm-hmm. me and my... Um, my crew, Tyler, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. Um, we're going to do that. So the normal way to do it is to pay about $200 and take off from a float plane mm-hmm. and fly and land in the lake and then go to the state park and, and see them. That's that's still an adventure. Okay. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an adventure. But we had you the idea. You don't want to spend $200? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had the idea. It'd be We had more time than right? just an afternoon. So we had the idea to rent a boat and drive there ourselves on a boat. Love it. And I told my cousin this, Keith. Which you're, you're a captain. I'm a captain of a boat. So of you, a boat. You, I know how yeah, to run boats. You know how to yeah. run a boat, yeah. Um, so I told him, we're going to do that. We're going to go to Brooks Falls. He's like, that's cool. And they're like, yeah, we're going to uh, run a boat and go there. He's like, that's the hair, that's the most harebrained idea I've ever seen. That's where harebrained comes from. That's amazing. Um, so we did, we went and we rented this skiff from Charlie's Bait Shop in King Salmon and told him what we wanted to do. And uh, he showed us on the map how to do it and gave us landmarks and let us borrow a tent. And we're like, how much fuel do we need? And he's like, I don't know. And we're like, well, give us a lot. <laughs> and uh, so we put nine five-gallon um, jugs of gas in the boat 
and uh, we we had potatoes and some food and some beer, and we put in, and it's a foggy day, and we mm-hmm. have zero GPS, okay. zero cell phone service, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we took off not knowing how long it would take. And Amazing. the fog, like, cleared, and we're like, oh, shoot, we're in shallow water. There's, like, logs and stuff. And uh, so we just hugged the coast for maybe two hours, three hours. Okay. And, and we're just kind of looking at our paper maps and like the topography uh-huh. and um, we're like, okay, we got it. We're getting close. This is the closest Island um, to the park. Uh-huh. And so we need to stash all our food there because uh-huh. you can't take food into the park because of bears. Okay. So we call it stash Island, put all our food there, go in, see the bears, take the photos. Wait, you called it stash Island stash because you stash your stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we come back and then we camp on a different island for two nights and there was an eagle nest there and, um, and it was just beautiful camping in the middle of Alaska. It felt like we didn't see any other people in the other boats. Yeah. Um, and it was just the coolest little harebrained adventure that Love we all did together. We all had those memories. And then on, on the way back. Um, we did have enough gas on the way back. You did have enough gas. We did okay, have enough the, on the way back. Excellent. We, uh, we just stopped on a random beach just to kind of walk around and look and we see a bear walking towards us on this beach and we're like, okay, this is cool. Get back in the boat though. What kind of bear? Brown bear. Okay. Yeah. Grizzly bear. Okay. And, um, it's horrifying. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so we, we, um, we get back in the boat and the bears and we just like watch from the boat, the bear walking. And then the bear gets in the water and the bear starts swimming to an island. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, the bears, the islands aren't safe. (laughs) We were just just on this island. (laughs) We were just on this island for two nights. Oh my God. Apparently apparently, apparently the islands aren't safe. Um, Anyway, um, but then we're like, well, well, we're in this boat, so like you kind oh of gosh. you kind of follow the bear, but you don't know how close you should get. Uh-huh. But you kind of want to get close because bears are very dangerous on land. Right. But they're not good at fighting while they're swimming. Right. So we just kind of get closer and closer and closer and we're about 25 feet from a brown bear. Uh-huh. And um this is something I can never forget the sound of a Annoyed brown bear swimming next to you is is a sound you can never forget. Mm. It has this deep breath, and it's just like, and it's and it's giving you like it keeps the side like eye. it's giving you, it's like looking towards the <laughs> island, but it keeps like doing the ninety degree head turn, like looking at you, and we're like, uh, oh my goodness, we're like we're safe, but. We probably shouldn't do this for too long, and uh, th- then we <laughs> then we went back and anyway, that's that's Man. the long story of where uh, hairbrain idea comes. I from. love that. I love that so much. Those are the experiences, though. Those are you'll experiences. never forget that. So you got a story out until you forget it for a while, and then you remember it again. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah that's exactly that. <laughs> well, um, Cam, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, it's an honor. This has been really fun. That it has. Um, if, if anyone needs video work, call Cameron. He's fantastically talented. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Call me up. All right. Bye. Bye.
And there you have it, Cameron Mylenberg, everybody. What an interesting, fun-loving, genuine, authentic, great human that he is. Hope you like the podcast. If you do, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is great in this small city that we live in. And also, you can leave five stars on Apple Podcasts or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bye.